Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Jennifer Morrison. As Inception U's learning catalyst and lead program designer, Jen provides valued leadership, guidance, meaningful connections, and an engaging learning environment to the learners and is deeply dedicated to their success in the Inception U programs. Jen has over 11 years of experience as an educator and received her Master's of Educational Leadership from High Tech High Graduate School of Education in San Diego, California. Jen possesses extensive experience in project-based and experiential learning and design thinking. Let's join Jen for her delightful conversation with Krista Hill and Renee Matsala. Take it away, Jen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Libby Podcast. My name is Jen Morrison, and I am the Learning Catalyst and Lead Program Designer at Inception U. And I'm really excited to have this conversation with two women that I have met in the past year, I want to say. And so we've connected off and on, and I continue to be amazed and inspired and uh, empowered whenever I have the chance to have a conversation with them and hear about the incredible work they're doing. So I want to do things a little bit differently for the beginning of the podcast today. So Renee and Chris are joining me. I'm going to actually have them introduce each other because they know each other so well. And I thought that would be fun to to try for this episode. So uh, Renee, I'm going to have you go first and introduce Krista Hill. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to introduce Krista. Yeah, so as you can tell, and people will know by the end of this, you know, Krista and I are really good friends. We've worked together for years now. We've been in, we've been in a band together, actually. We were in a band together at Benevity where we met each other. We had this this event called Rock the Cosmo where all of our coworkers made bands together. And so yeah, Chris and I were in a band together. So we've seen each other through thick and thin. And yeah, so Krista and I, we met at Benevity. So she was leading the, you know, our, our work with causes and with our finance side. And it was just, you know, we met there and we knew we were going to work together. And I just remember with Krista, she's just stood out because she's so friggin' good at what she does as a product leader. So she, she basically led all of the most difficult products at Benevity and helped us to funnel billions of dollars to causes who deserved it. And so after she did that at Benevity, that's where we met. She went on to Morgan Stanley at work. She did, she built many products that were the first of their kind. So she has amazing experience in APIs. She built the first ever public facing API that scales the administration of a corporation's life cycle from private ownership to IPO. It's not the only first she's done there. And before that, she was even at Getty Images. She's led teams all over the world. And now we're co-founders together at Tacit Edge Product Leadership, where we took both of our passions for this role and coaching people and we help people become product managers. A hilarious, charismatic and so empathetic. That's her secret sauce. She sees things in people that they don't see in themselves and she helps them 
realize their true potential. It's amazing. It's it's a magical watching Krista work with people. Oh, love that. Well, on that note, Renee has set the bar, Krista. So it is now your turn uh, to introduce Renee Matsala. Do you mind uh, taking some time to do that? I don't at all. It's really been my honor and pleasure to be working with Renee. And we co-founded Tacit Edge Product Leadership, you know, just to help bring what our secret sauce is as individuals together. Because as a team, we are like, there isn't anything that we can't see in each other that we can find as strengths and then leverage what we we know about each other and really bring into the real world, uh, just with our imaginations and with some great goal setting and with our skills. And so when I met Renee years and years and years ago, I was actually on my way uh, leaving a company and I sat her down and I was, I said to her, I'm like, look, we didn't really get to work together the way I really wanted us to work, which means like we, the intersections of our projects never went the way that I really wanted them to. So we could spend a ton of time together. I said, but don't forget me. I'm coming for you. I don't know when. It's not obvious to me yet, but when I call, we're going to do something huge. And sure enough, I, you know, it was maybe about two and a half years ago. I, I reached out and I said, I think I've figured it out. What we're going to do, and it and it looks a little bit like this. And now, of course, what we've created is is quite different than what we originally thought we were going to do. But it started us on the path. And before that, I mean, I, I had a front row seat to to Renee and her product leadership you know, bringing some of the most successful products on the front end that Benevity ever had, right? Maximizing the power of matching between peers, their companies out in the world accelerated the work that I was doing under the hood to make sure the mechanics were there so that the money could move and get around the world quickly. So it really was a game changer for the two of us on our expertise just within that product line at that time. She was out there working on the hard issues, uh, trying to bring uh, so many great innovations to workplace giving and the concept of diversity, inclusion, and belonging, she was at the ground floor of and taught me new language in the workplace that I'd never had before. And that was one of the first things that really impacted me about the work that I did with Renee is that she she took what I knew I had on the inside around empathy building and she gave me new language, which got me curious to to find out more. And that I will I will never be able to thank her enough for. So outside of that, even before that work, I mean, she was working in Berlin and San Francisco, where she launched mobile monetization products used by Facebook, Google, and some of the world's most iconic, you know, game developers. And now, I mean, here we are, we're, we're influencing the, the tech ecosystem to help bring that, that concept of diversity, inclusion, and access to education. So all the things that we have built, we now have wanted to productize to bring product management to the masses and make it open source. And that's what we're doing. Well, boom, I feel like you both dropped the mic already. Uh, Krista, how would you describe Renee in three words? What would they be? Like, and if there was a word that could, like one word, she has, she's like overwhelming gratitude. If you know Renee, the amount of gratitude that gushes out of her just as a baseline is above and beyond. And if you ever struggle with staying in a headspace of gratitude, just hang with Renee for five minutes and you're like, you're back in there. So I know that was more than three words, but really that's, that's how I see her. Well, I I think it's so lovely that you introduced each other and thank you for doing that. It's way better than I could have done. So really excited. And for, for the folks that are listening, I don't know if you can tell, but I am having trouble sitting down. Like I'm just so excited to talk to these two today. So I'm going to try to keep it 
kind of calm, cool, and collected, but I'm sort of fangirling on the other side here. Okay, so we're going to set the, the context for our conversation today, ladies. And obviously, you are leaders in product management and creating space for, for learning and building and creating in that area and the impact that it can have on the ecosystem. Before we dive into that, though, what I'd like to do is to have both of you think back to when you were kids. And I'm going to ask this a little bit differently than I've done in in the past. And uh, let's start with Krista. So, Krista, I want you to think about the people who love you the most. How would they have described you as a kid? And then do you recall any particular age or grade that you recognize things that you love to do or were passionate about? I So I had a conversation with my mom about this because she she lives here uh, with me and she she gave me a very long list of things uh, that described not the view of my childhood but <laughs> myself obviously as children we don't see ourselves the way that our parents see them but she just basically described me as somebody who just was a doer I just got curious and then I just I tried stuff and I did things and I was always busy busy was like a common theme. And as I would reach certain milestones and success, I just, I liked it. So I just pushed it even farther to see what else I could do. And I have to say, I've, I've had, for those who know me and, you know, over the years, I've had a lot of different businesses. I've run a skating school. I have a huge history of figure skating and competitive sports too as well. And also working in the not-for-profit sector. It took me a long time before I reached the age where I knew exactly what I wanted to be. And for some folks, they know it when they're really young. And you would think that with my history in skating, I knew what that was really early. But in fact, I think I was just really hooked on the success of it and just trying to do more and trying to do more. And I just deepened the art form within myself and I just really enjoyed it. But it's not who I thought I was. And it wasn't until I was about 28 when I had left the sport for quite a few years and wanted to go back and then created uh, the skating school where I could give back and teach. That's when I discovered what I wanted to do. That I knew I loved to get to a certain competency where I felt like I could teach it to others. And that's kind of the, the what's followed the cycle of my life is getting to a certain competency and then looking around going, who can I bring with me? And that is essentially how I figured out what I really wanted to do in this world. But I was a pretty late bloomer, but I did a lot of really cool stuff in the meantime, but really didn't connect with my identity until I was nearly 30. Right. It's so interesting that that your mom shared that she saw you as a, a doer and a creator and an explorer as well. I relate a lot to that. So Renee, how about you? You know, the people that love you the most or knew you as a kid, how would... How would they describe you? And then also, you know, did you have particular things that you were curious or passionate about as a kid as well? Yeah, it's so funny. So like the way Krista's mom described her, because we both were like, oh my gosh, I have no idea how people describe me. Like I think of like my little nephews and I have so many words to describe them, but I'm like, I don't remember what it was like. <laughs> you know? So I did the same thing and it was the same the same thing. My mom was like, oh, you're a go-getter. You just like decided you wanted to do something and you just did it. And you were always doing things. I was always, you know, outdoors, having fun, being goofy. And I'm just like, oh, that's just the exactly the same thing. <laughs> I, that's exactly how I am now. You know, I took a detour in anxiety and stress and that for a little bit, as many of us do, you know, in our teen years and early adulthood. And then we get back and find ourselves. And it's just so funny because, yeah, I, I see that I'm more like myself when I was a kid now than 
than ever before. And, you know, that passion first came was, it was music. You know, I loved guitar. I loved playing for hours, but similar to Krista, I didn't find my passion until I started sharing it with others. And all through university, I tutored, taught guitar, then again, got to a competency with product management and learned as well that my passion is bringing others along and helping others, you know, realize the gifts that I've been able to realize in my life. And then so when Krista and I found each other, we're like, yeah, we have the (laughs) we have the same passion. Let's let's make this happen. You know, the I don't know if you've seen like the gif with the two kids that are like these little kids and they haven't seen each other for a long time and they're running towards each other. Do you know the gif I'm talking about where they like hug? I'm just thinking about that as you're both talking, which is uh, which is really fun. Every Friday after this, too. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to come and join that. Sometime. Oh, anytime. Yeah. Open invite, Jen. <laughs> awesome. Well, Okay, so it's it's so interesting because I relate so much to those pieces of both of you as kids. And, uh, you know, before we started recording, you know, I was talking about how these innate traits or characteristics or things that we love as kids can often get squashed in whatever way, whether it's through relationships or societal expectations or the shoulds of what we should be doing with our life. So I think it's really interesting that for the both of you, it was always kind of there, but it seems like it's almost been full circle. And, you know, the work that you do now seems to really be leveraging those pieces that are so natural to the both of you. So on that note, I mean, you don't have to go through like a chronological order of what you did, but clearly your journeys have been really interesting and you've done a lot of different things. Were there some key learnings along the way that you want to mention or talk about that were really like critical to the next steps that you took, whatever those were. I hope that makes sense. But I'm just, you know, I feel like, I feel like that that could be a whole other four hour conversation about like, tell me about your journey. Uh, But what, like, are there particular moments for the both of you that stand out? Renee, I'm going to start with you for that one. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking back, there's, there's always those key, key moments where you're like, oh, I really realized something. So of course, guitar was the first one started to be, you know, in bands around the city, having fun with that, but it never really felt quite right. And I think, you know, I mentioned the, the, the stress and anxiety part of our early adulthoods that we all go through. Like I wouldn't trade that for the world because I just tried so many different things. You know, I tried marketing. I started in marketing, really loved it. Didn't quite fit though. I wanted to do more experimentation. I wanted to just, tr- again, try more things or I found in marketing, you really needed to be perfect before you launch something. So, but I also loved, you know, traveling, loved being abroad. So I worked in Berlin, worked in San Francisco and there I learned just, you know, I can survive a lot. It was tough, but I learned, okay, I can live in a country where I don't speak the language and I can learn enough to get by and I can try these different things. And and then moving back to Calgary and working at Benevity, I learned I needed to just let go of that fear of failure. And because my desire to try new things was always kind of like tempered, like the joy was tempered by the fact that I had this fear. And it was through Benevity that I was able to just say, you know what, that's it. I'm just going to try these things. And it was from working with people with like with people like Krista that were like, no, it's okay. You can try these things. 
And then the last thing was I learned, you know, I knew my potential and I knew when it was time to do something on my own and to not let what other people tell me define me. You know, I knew I was a coach. I knew I could really help people. And I knew I needed to go and do that on my own and with an awesome co-founder. So those are kind of those key moments, the, you know, getting into music, trying different things, failing, being really scared in a new country, being really scared in a new role, moving back. Product management is not easy. It is hard. And you have to just accept that perfection is not possible. And once I truly accepted that, my whole life completely changed because I just said, I don't care. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try things. And again, I got back to who I was as a kid, just trying things. Oh, that's so great. Okay, Krista, same, same to you. So like the key learnings along the way, are there any particular moments? Oh, there's so many standouts. I have to say, as I got older, you know, and I experimented in school and in the workplace, I was always super curious about technology and things that were disrupting, especially the banking system. I was working in the banks while I was going to school. And so I was hearing about startups that were happening, that were moving money and for you know, the very interesting ways that the internet was born of. I think we all know what I'm talking about there. And so I, I really got a, a line of sight to the fear that it was bringing into some of our traditional systems. And I was just hooked. How could I, like, could I get a job like that? Like I work in a bank, could I, you know, would they want my particular skill set? And so I was able to get in uh, to a startup to experiment with some of those early, early, early wild, wild west business models online. And from that point, you know, I just let it explore it even further, right? How could I bring knowledge of finance compliance and then turn that into, you know, working with teams to create working software? I, I couldn't believe how, how interesting it was to me. And then I took a pit stop uh, through other things in life happened and I was, you know, working with skating. I got my skating school off the ground and the, the rec center that I was, you know, coaching out of, we had amazing primetime ice that if you are in the world of, trying to get ice times, you know, that between four and six, multiple days during a weekday, and then Saturday mornings between nine and 12 is something you die for, like you literally die for. And the, you know, we had no money in that rec center, it was about to close. And so, you know, one night I was like, well, what could I do about this? How could I keep it open? I've got business acumen, I could do this. Could I run a rec center? And so I wrote a business case and presented it to the board. And the next week they threw me the keys. And I was like, okay, <clears throat> now what? Software, right? I employed software to help me manage that facility and it saved it. It was a turning point, right? And that's when I knew the power of really amazing partners that could be, that could automate some parts of your job to free you up to do the things that are the real work out in the community or the real work out in the business world. And so that was a huge turning point. But in the middle of that though, I had, I had my daughter and, you know, I became a single mom. And that was another major moment because I looked at what I was doing at the rec center, knowing that I was working around the clock because it was really intense. And I couldn't do that and raise her at the same time. So, you know, we worked together to try and figure out what that could look like as I transitioned out of that role, just staying with the skating school. But, you know, there was a moment in time where I looked at her and I was just like, we need to build a life together. 
I need to make more money. I can do this on my own. I don't have to be in a relationship to which brings me stability so that I can raise a kid and we can have a good life. We could actually, her and I, I just looked at her one day in her crib sleeping. I was like, we can do this, her and I. And so that was the beginning of me looking for more education around product management. Within the community that I was working and volunteering, some folks connected me with some recruiters and I learned about the new roles. And literally, I was I was having dinner with some folks and one of them turned to me and said, Krista, you know that there's roles in tech for people with social skills now, right? I'll never forget this as long as I live. And I was like, oh, that is so interesting. Tell me about those. And he described to me the product owner role at Getty Images. And that was the first step towards where I am literally right now today with Renee. So I followed that. And all the way through everything, one thing led to the next. And there was a lot of moments in that role with some organizations that as women in technology were really scary for me. You know, in that point in time, it was not an overly safe place for women to be traveling and doing a lot of things. And we don't need to get into a lot of that. But, you know, what really stuck out in my mind about that was that the next women behind me, I wanted it to be more inclusive and safer for them to work and explore and accelerate their careers without the industry bias that that Renee and I worked within. So everything we did had that eye of what's over our shoulder and who's coming in behind us and how can we just make it a little less difficult for them than it was for us because it doesn't need to be difficult. It shouldn't be difficult, right? And so that was really the key takeaway for a lot of my career. And you know, the moment I sat in a meeting with Renee and she taught me the difference between feeling included and fitting in and the difference between fitting in and belonging. And she taught me that I had no words or vocabulary for that. And in that moment, I was like, I actually can just be me. And if they don't like it, it's okay. We're not a good fit. So in that moment, I decided I was now just going to be me. And I wasn't going to try and fit in with my male peers. I wasn't going to do what I thought they wanted me to do. I was going to follow my internal compass and that brought me to the next thing that I did. And then I interviewed with that state of mind and got the next job saying, these are my deal breakers. I need autonomy. I need to be myself. I need to practice product the way I believe it should be practiced. And also it's going to be contagious. Get ready, but don't hire me unless you want that. So I was able to then reset the tone of what it was like for me to be in the workplace. And it changed everything. And sure enough, I, I really realized my dream in the past two years. I know it's been very difficult for a lot of folks in COVID, but it allowed me to experiment in ways, you know, that I've never known possible to create the life that I want for my child, moving my my mom in so that we can all be together and not have to worry about what's going on in the outside world because we are here. And I have, I can literally build a business with the best friend I've ever had in my life. And because of that, we can have the hard conversations where we always speak the truth. And because of that, we are building a wildly successful partnership. And it is that all that journey. And there's so many things that have happened in the middle of that. But those, those are really the highlights for me as to how, how this was possible and what I listened to in those moments and what I did about it. It's so interesting to look back at our, our lives. I mean, I, I'm, I'll be 41 in April and, you know, I don't know. It's I love that that you've shared what you have because thinking back to my own journey and my own experience, everything I don't know. Everything creates space for something new, 
but the mindset and the awareness to pay attention, to be, to be listening. And I really love that you both talked about getting to this place of, I, I'm going to be myself and that's okay. And I want to find other people that want to work with me. You know, I want to find people that I want to work with. And, and I feel like that moment or that time period where that happened for both of you, I think was really key. And I can relate a lot to that as well. Um, yeah. Any, Renee, do you have anything else you want to share? Yeah. Cause honestly, the, when you said, cause once you start doing that, the people you want to work with just start coming out. They're just everywhere. Like it, it changed. Like Krista and I found each other and we're like, no, we're going to be ourselves and we're going to be honest with our ourselves and each other. And all of a sudden I'm only working with people I want to work with. And the people that, you know, we're, we're working with through our business, through our course at SAIT around applied product management, we're all the same mindset of we're going to be ourselves. We care about each other. We respect each other. So we don't have to worry about what other people are thinking about us. We know people respect us. We respect our students and they can experiment and try things and really discover what they love within the course. And that's what we're just aspiring to be. And it's, it's almost like, why haven't we been doing this the whole time? <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I know. And it, you know, for us, like when we were in the industry, you know, working within other companies, we couldn't find anybody to hire. Right. Because we were looking for attributes that were wildly coachable. And even just the threads of folks that that had similar inclinations to us is what we were looking for. But then they didn't fit a model that the company wanted them to fit. And so therefore, we were losing people in the screening process that would never get through that I would have been happy to hire and coach. And so that was the glaring problem that we just identified. Renee and I were like, we we can do something about that. Literally, if we put our minds to it, we could solve that or try anyways. <laughs> I'm so happy that you said that because I think, you know, the HR screening or the process of bringing people on to organizations, companies, startups, whatever that is, can a lot of the time be a significant barrier to amazing people. And I want, I'm going to pin that for a bit because I want to now dive into you know, product management. And you have started this company, Tacit Edge, which is super cool. Where where did the, the term Tacit Edge come from? I'm really curious about that before we talk about, you know, what product management actually is. Do you want to share with us like the inspiration for the name of your company? My gosh, that is the it's totally like my name's this, your name's that. Let's combine it together. I did put a thought into tacit marketing and because tacit knowledge, you know, that's what it is. It's the knowledge that just kind of gets somehow shared through osmosis. And that's a lot of what we do at Tacit Edge. So I was Tacit Marketing and Krista had a business called Infinity Edge. And we're like, well, wait a minute. Actually, it kind of fits because it is that Tacit knowledge that gives you the edge. And that's what we're coaching. That's what we're working towards. It's that those experiences that those skills that you can't 
explain, but just makes you successful, like being yourself, like knowing what you're good at, having a growth mindset, knowing what you want to work on, knowing how to ask for feedback, knowing how to lead and empower others. That's tacit knowledge. And that's what we're bringing. And it's a deep, deep level of of emotional intelligence that goes along with the foundation of the skills. These things together are literally the difference, in my opinion, between the best and the rest of product management, right? Anyone can take, and we'll, we'll go into what product management is, because I think that's really important, because I know there's a lot of weirdness and ambiguity around that, that subject, but we can define that in a second. But honestly, what made us wildly successful was the ability for us to stay with the problems that we were solving longer than most folks and to really use our emotional intelligence to influence the room to help us stay in those problems longer. It's not just us that needs to stay there. We have to, without having a direct reporting relationship to the majority of the folks that are responsible for our deliverables that make us successful. And there's a reason why that has to stay that way for sure. There's a lot of benefits, but to have that work for you, you need to have that deep emotional intelligence to be persuasive influential, and also inspiring. But people want to get up and build the thing that you're building because it's interesting and fun and they see the impact of something that they built out in the real world and they can see it live, they hear about it, and they're connected with the folks whose lives is changing. And that is really all-encompassing of of how we teach and the principles we teach. Oh, that's incredible. Okay, so let's dig into product management because this, this word... I think gets, I don't want to say tossed around a lot, but it can get confused. I feel like it's easy to get mixed up about what it means. So what I'm actually going to do here is Krista, I'm going to have you share with the the listeners right now. How would you, I want you to do it in, in a unique way. So how would you share what product management is with someone who is 10 years old? So this is a great way to do this because I do have to explain to my family on a regular basis what on earth I do because of course they can hear me working all day. So it, it can sound like I'm, I'm working more with people problems than product problems. So they get really confused as to what it is uh, that I'm doing. But really how I explain it to my daughter, for instance, is I was able to write a book and I called it Violet's Virtual Cupcakes. And my daughter loved cupcakes. At that time, she loved purple because her name is Violet. So I wrote a story that was about a little girl named Violet who wanted so badly for her birthday to have a cupcake that was a custom just for her, had purple icing, had purple dough, had a gold wrapper. And then she wanted to do it all from her bedroom. So... I walked her through a tiny story of what it would be like if she went on, she stole mommy's phone without mommy knowing. And she opened up an app that looked like a cupcake on my phone because it just so happened that I had that. (laughs) Okay. And she clicked on it. And then it took her through all the steps of what kind of flavor she wanted, the kind of icing, and then how it was going to arrive at her doorstep. We didn't worry about the money part because that's too complicated. And it just showed up and how happy she was that she got her very own cupcake that afternoon. And I said to her, I'm like, babe, this is in a nutshell what mommy does. I figure out what you would want, what would make you happy. 
and what would solve a problem that you have. And we, Renee and I, would build something for you that would help solve that problem. And then after we built it, we would ask you how it made you feel and what you would have liked different about it. And then we make those changes and we continue to build. She's like, oh, right. So essentially what I described to her was the build, right? But she really got that. And, you know, a five to 10 year old, they're not really sure what happens behind the scenes. And so eventually I expanded the story to include characters, ones that she knew from the workplace. We have a beloved UX person, Bailey, that is a real, Violet loves her. And so I described the work that Bailey would do in the app to make it so that it was really attractive and interesting to Violet, how she would pick the colors of the buttons and where she would put them. And then watch Violet use the app to see whether or not it was working the way Bailey thought Violet would use it. And then I introduced her to another person who was a developer that she knew, right? And what the developer would be doing in the code. And then it's like a series of things that materialize these things on the screen. And so when I could relate it to people she knew and jobs that they had and how we intersected, then she saw how I fit into the big picture. Right. And so that's essentially how I described it. But that also worked with my mom for the first time she got what I did too. And when I told the story, my mom was like, oh, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. I think storytelling is such a huge part of our job. And when we have to figure out how to describe what we do, right, we have to take a look at the person's experience, what they know of the world, what they're in, in our case, because we're heavily involved in technology, but product management, is not just for tech, it's everywhere. How can I relate what I do to an experience that they have in their real life? And then I can use examples of how we would work together. And that's how I describe it. That's so cool. What an interesting way to have her connect with the work that you're doing and, and appreciate it and understand it and also probably get curious about it. Thank you for that, Krista. Okay, Renee, how about someone who's like 30 or 40, like me? How would how would you how would you share it with me? How would you define it for me? You know, it's a little a little bit different because I find, you know, people who are in their 30s, 40s, you know, they we a lot of us have been in the workplace. We work with products that we see every single day, but still it's like I think about, well, what what do you see every day that could have a product manager behind it? So for example, we're on Zoom calls. You know, the effects that make my eyebrows look better or make my lips look like they have lipstick on. You know, it's a product manager behind that. You know, Facebook, it's even, you know, there's product managers building our cars and thinking about what customers need, what they really want, and how may, we might be able to, to make that happen. So I start with kind of pointing out to people that there's a product manager behind every single product that you're using right now. And what that person is doing is they're identifying that customer need and how we might be able to solve that to make a business successful. And then we're articulating what success looks like, creating a vision around it and rallying a team to turn that vision into reality. So what I like to tell people is it's the future of business it's the, and it's the future of entrepreneurship. That's what product management is. And anyone can do it. Anyone can get involved in it. If you're creating a meetup, if you're creating a marketing campaign that's meeting certain needs, if you're building a process, you're a product manager. And there's so many folks during COVID that you know experimented with entrepreneurship. So we have an entire generation of folks that really went for it 
in this point in time and now have identified that they could do it on their own, right? And that, I think when you meet that with uh, opportunities for education on how to refine those principles and to get strong on the foundational elements instead of just winging it because you don't have to, right? We, you don't have to make a ton of mistakes on the way to launching your own business. You can learn some basic things around risk reduction that focus on usability, feasibility, viability, value, and morality of product builds, which is huge for us now. As we, we, we talk about what's hit the news in product management over the past year, and I think we can all say that there was a lot of stuff that came out about Facebook and Instagram and the impacts on children. You know, this is a product management area. We have to be talking about these things. Right. And it's I think that's probably what for the first time I saw on Crave, there was a show, I think it was called Scenes from a Marriage, where the main character, she's a product manager. And it's the first time I ever saw myself on TV, except I'm not her, obviously, because, you know, I'm a single mom. <laughs> but it was so interesting to see that now it's hitting the mainstream. This is the opportunity. Awareness breeds interest. If we can meet that interest with education. How could we accelerate this competency where we are? So on that note, I'm curious because in conversations we've had previously, uh, before today even, you both have mentioned barriers or things that are getting in the way or creating unnecessary challenge for people to step into this work. Do you both want to share some thoughts around that barrier piece, because I think when it comes to the ecosystem here, that's a really important piece that I think we need to expand our awareness around and then take action uh, to help address that. So Renee, I'm going to start with you. What are your thoughts on, on the barrier piece? Thank you so much for asking this question, because in Alberta, you know, we're, we're still building our ecosystem. And we don't have to put up the same barriers that maybe other ecosystems that are more mature have put up. So right now, if you want to become a product manager in a lot of ecosystems, you have to get hired for the job and then you get, get trained within the company. And that puts up a ton of barriers. So to learn these competencies, you have to first be hired. And that doesn't, that just doesn't make sense. You should be able to learn these, learn to be a product manager, learn entrepreneurship, learn these tactics just because you're interested. And what we've found is if you have to be hired first, we're hiring the same types of people and we're overlooking the amazing folks that are out there in the ecosystem right now that actually have the experience we want. So we think about newcomers to Canada. They know, newcomers know how to thrive in ambiguity. They're entrepreneurial in nature, but they might not have the network to get hired as a product manager. What we're looking to do is to democratize the education so people with those skills and ambiguity who know how to identify a problem and solve it, who are constantly solving problems, who are constantly looking for needs and adapting, they can get the skills and then they can get hired just because they know how to do this work and they are meant to be doing this work. So that's what Krista and I, that's our, that's our dream is that we democratize this. Anyone who's interested and has the skills can then learn the best practices and they can design our future because product management, 
that we're designing the future. Yeah, it's, you know, as Renee said it so beautifully, you know, democratizing the content, democratizing the access to education for funding, right? And getting access to funding and understanding that, you know, you don't need to have to prove the competency to get the job without ever having to do the job. It seems like this massive chicken and egg scenario that the majority of us have been under for a really long time and it's impossible. You know, so with the growing demand in our economy, we we can't afford to keep doing it this way. So either we are going to open it up and really let a bunch of folks into this field and help them along that way by also democratizing access to the network of folks that can get them these jobs. That's really key. I mean, the exclusivity around this role is is well known and it's not going to serve us in the next phase of our economy and we have to let it go. So I think, you know, one of our biggest things that we're, we're overcoming is, you know, when we look at the demand and the need within Alberta for this role and what we could do with our economy if we had more folks, that time for exclusivity, it's over. And what are we going to do to support folks getting in and so we can all thrive? You know, it's so interesting. I, I didn't realize when we had talked before that a lot of product managers actually only get the training in and around this area once they're already within a company. And that fascinated me. I was like, I didn't realize there was this giant gap, accessibility or opportunity for people to explore this work. That was so interesting. And even a lot of the education that's out there kind of assumes you're already in the role where you need and then to get the job, you need to have experience working with developers, working with UX folks. And it's like, okay, well, how do, how is that possible? So we're just like, no, we're breaking this down. That's it. And I think Alberta can, and it, the ecosystem here has been more than supportive. You know, we get support from Alberta Innovates, from State, from Inception U. We're all partnered together. And I think that's what's going to make Alberta completely different from our other uh, other ecosystems out there because we're building with this in mind and we we're going to tap into that talent that other ecosystems are are not able to so i'm i'm so excited about where we're at in alberta and what we're building together well the mindset of not even just thinking about who's coming next but almost like who's coming after that you know, thinking ahead. And I think having that mindset is so important. So I want to ask the both of you, let's flip this a bit. So there are companies and organizations that, you know, you've both said product management is the future. This is what our future is going to be built from, with, of. What is the pull for companies? I mean, what, what would they really benefit from by having product managers or like people with these skills on their teams? What's the pull for the, for the organizations? The drive towards value and increasing the business value, but moreover, having really rewarding work coming to the teams. You know, we have a huge problem with churn, right? We have a lot of people resigning their roles. And a lot of it has to do with a lack of connection to the work that they're doing and the difference they're making to the world. What if you could have somebody come in and give everyone a compelling vision. We're collaboratively on a strategy, how we're gonna make that a reality. Everybody co-owning the process and owning it every step of the way. And then we get to see how it materialized out in the real world. This is satisfying work and people want that. They crave it now more than ever. 
And I think that in and of itself, from a, a retention standpoint, and really understanding what connects folks to their work. And we see that disconnection now between the work that they're doing and, you know, the, the business vision. There's a lot of daylight between these two things, especially in the past two years when we've all been working from home and we're really quite siloed, right? So how do we kickstart that connection back into the workplace, reconnecting with our peers, learning how to work together again in person? And how can we have a compelling leadership strategy around the product that makes that really inspiring? And then, by the way, a happy byproduct of that is really valuable products that really matter to their customers. So it's it's an inherent win-win all over the place, you know. But really, it's some of the things that are standing in the way can be organizational structure of businesses. They've a lot of them have not known what a product management organization can look like, so they're trying to build it from the ground up with junior roles instead of having a senior helping to guide and build it as a competency within the organizations. We work with a lot of folks to build that, right? And to try and learn what that can look like for, for them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about making sure that your company is delivering value, you're growing, you're thriving, and everyone is really satisfied with the work that they're doing because it's high quality work. No, absolutely. I think Krista, you know, summarized it, it perfectly. And when we say senior too, it's not necessarily like senior, I've been doing product for X number of years. It's senior in mindset, senior in having the courage to ask questions like, does this really bring value? Why are we building this? We've so many times in companies where we're building things because someone asked and and that's it. We don't know the real reason. So product is what brings the customer, the business, and then the empowered team that's building the product together to really drive towards goals. And that empowerment, that motivation brings the results that we want to see within business. At Inception U, we do a lot of work with our learners around unlearning, not just with our learners, even with ourselves. I mean, I'm unlearning things every day, unlearning things that I thought I understood, things I thought about the world or how things worked. But from your perspective, ladies, what do you, what needs to be unlearned when it comes to product management or people that are uh, either interested in getting into the field or I guess, people in companies. What do you think really needs to be unlearned? Yes. And and then it's okay that imposter syndrome is a thing for you in the beginning, I think, too. there's We work through a lot of fear of anxiety, fear of the unknown, fear of ambiguity with a lot of folks that are new to the field, right? And we have to just give those things a name and acknowledge that that's what's happening to you. And then we walk it together, right? And just knowing that staying in a place of not all knowing, but all learning is what we all strive for in this industry. So just unlearning that being the expert in the room is not what we're valuing. What we're valuing are skills that can move us to the next decision, the next right decision together, and that you're not leading through control and all knowingness. You're, you're leading through bringing context and information and learning more. And then we make the next decision together. So I think that's really what I think a lot of folks in the industry need to unlearn is that, that, that concept of all knowing being all valuable. And it's, it's in fact, it's not it at all. Renee, do you have anything that you want to add around the unlearning piece? I mean, I agree 100% with Krista. Anything else that you want to add? Oh, I think I just want to put a exclamation point. It's get out there try things. It's, it's okay to try something and fail because we're learning. 
And so I just really want to emphasize that. And if we can go back, you know, when we, at the beginning, we were talking about when we were kids, we we're trying, being afraid, looking for perfection, looking for this, but really it's fine. Be yourself, try new things and put yourself out there. Well, to the two of you, I'm so grateful for your time today. I mean, I wish we had two hours and you know, we don't because you both will <laughs> you, come back anytime. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on that note to, you know, the folks that are out there listening, hopefully feeling inspired or encouraged by what you shared today, how can they get in touch with you? Where do you recommend they go? And is there any resources or things that they could start to poke around with if, if this is something of interest to them? You can find us on LinkedIn. Also, you can search SATE Product Management Applied uh, Bootcamp on the SATE website where you can learn how to work with a team and build a real product so we can give you that experience in a safe environment so that you can experiment and grow as you are trying to pivot into the ecosystem and learn the fundamentals. Uh, I mean, honestly, we're, we troll uh, LinkedIn like crazy. A lot of folks get in touch with us through there. And even, you know, supporting and getting involved with demos of, of these great boot camps that are coming out. And what has blown my mind, especially the work at Inception U, we are shaking up what it means to create developers, to create product managers, support the initiative, right? Get involved. Let's create opportunity for these people together because as a collective, we're trying to shape what the future looks like. And so all opinions and all thoughts on that from all different backgrounds matter. So give us your voice. Tell us what you think we need and what we should, what we haven't considered. We'd love to incorporate it into the future of what we're building here. So to the two of you, I, again, am so grateful for your time. There are so many takeaways for me personally in this conversation. And I am excited to actually check in with myself in a few areas that I think I need to just kind of touch on again. And I would encourage anybody that's listening, reach out to Krista and Renee, connect with them, but also take action on the things that they have shared today. You know, we are building this together. They are clearly breaking barriers and, you know, creating space for people to step into work that is meaningful and that matters. And, uh, you know, I encourage all of us to really just pay attention, pay attention to the things that light you up, that you're passionate about, and be yourself. You don't have to fit in any box. So on that note, have a wonderful day, everybody. I'm grateful for your time and for your ears. And, uh, you know, check in with your passions and, and get to work. Have a great day. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. If you need software developers or you need software developed, New Idea Machine can make your ideas real. Visit newideamachine.com to learn more. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>